Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. Well, thanks, uh, Pastor Craig, for the introduction. I almost didn't re- re- even recognize the person you were talking about there for a bit. But <laughs> Do you like road trips? Oh, man. I, I was reflecting recently. I was in California a couple weeks ago, and I was with a young family, and they had two small kids, and they, we were just going across town, and we were still in the driveway of the house. And there are two questions that always come up when you do a road trip. Anybody know what they are? We're still in the driveway. The first question was, are we there yet? To which every parent on the planet says, no, we've just barely begun. The second question was, how much longer? I think maybe it's not just a couple questions the kids ask. I think we do as well. As we walk through as pilgrims in this life, I think we ask those questions as well. Like when we we encounter difficulties and obstacles, the first question is, are we there yet? Lord, how much longer is it going to be until we're out of this crisis, out of this difficulty, out of this pandemic, out of this situation, out of this difficulty? How much longer, Lord? Today we're going to look at Psalm 121, which is a psalm of ascent. And in this psalm, David actually speaks to this. He speaks to every pilgrim on the planet. But let me talk a bit about what we're going to encounter. Because three times a year, the devout Jews were invited or required by the law to go to Jerusalem to celebrate the high feasts. And as they would go, uh, the journey would be uh, incredible, sometimes lengthy. Sometimes it would take them many days to go from their home to the capital city of Jerusalem to worship there. And th- these uh, 14 psalms are called the Psalms of Ascent. We're going to look at just one of those psalms. Psalms of Ascent because Jerusalem was on a high plateau and pretty well anywhere else in the nation of Israel where you lived, it was an uphill climb to get to Jerusalem. Psalms of Ascent, upward. That's the point. Have you ever felt like your spiritual and Christian journey is a bit of an uphill climb? I mean, I would like, I like to, I I don't know. Do you like to coast? Isn't it always fun you get, when you're jogging or you're walking, you get to the top of the hill and you crest the hill. It's like, yes, I can coast. But that's not the way the Christian life is. In the same way, these pilgrims experienced an uphill climb all the way to Jerusalem. These 14 Psalms of Ascent would be sung or recited as the pilgrims would journey. Perhaps it was intended to pass time. But more importantly and more likely, it was intended by God, these Psalms were given, to help these wonderful people, these Jewish people, these devout worshipers, to remember what God had done and to remember who God was. That's the point. In Psalm 121, a very, very familiar psalm, is a psalm of comfort. It reminds us of who God is. This psalm, you'll likely know, it's very familiar to all of us. Let's start. This beautiful psalm in poetic form, David speaks of God's watchful care of his great love. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. 
where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel would neither slumber nor sleep. Even when you don't feel him, he's working. Even when you don't see him, he's working. That song was great. We could have just had the benediction and all gone home right there. That's basically the, the message of this psalm. Verse five, the Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going both now and forevermore. There are incredible parallels between these Jews and this psalm and the journey that we are on, that as pilgrims on this planet that we also encounter. We're going to unpackage the psalm kind of verse by verse and take it apart. And today is more of a teaching, but I'm hoping that you'll see the love of Jesus shining through this psalm to every one of you. Verse 1 says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? This verse for me expresses this deep longing. It's the cry from the pilgrim's heart, the weary traveler that says, are we there yet? I lift up my eyes to the hills. They were looking specifically on this journey. Remember, this is a psalm of ascent. They're going to Jerusalem. They're looking for the mountains, seven mountains that surround Jerusalem. Jerusalem is set in a, on seven mountains, and they were looking specifically. It's, it's kind of every corner, every time they go around the bend in the trail, the kids would say, are we there yet? I lift up my eyes to the hills. And then he says, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Now, what's most important here we see is not just any mountains. It wasn't just the mountains figuratively that represented strength and vitality and, 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 and fortress kind of mentality, but it was Mount Zion. The mountain they were looking for, I lift up my eyes to the mountains, where does my help come from? They were looking for Mount Zion because there on Mount Zion was the temple. And in the temple was the Holy of Holies. And in that small room in the back of the temple was the Ark of the Covenant. And above it was the mercy seat. And above, on the mercy seat were these two cherubs that cover. And there, there, on the mercy seat is where the presence of God dwelled. And so as these pilgrims were coming to Jerusalem, what they wanted most importantly was to meet with God. Where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. You see, they were coming and they were bringing their needs. They were bringing their concerns. They were bringing their desires. They were bringing their passions to the Lord, looking for him, this wonderful one who loves us and cares for us, looking to him to help provide care. What are the difficulties? What were the problems that were at home? What situations troubled these pilgrims? What were the difficulties that they still, though they may have left them at home, they didn't leave their minds? As they progressed and, and on their journey to Jerusalem to meet with God at the high feast, they were coming to the Lord to present their problems, their needs to him. Let me just cut to the bottom line. As I prepared this message, I felt like the Lord wanted me to share this message because there are people in this room and perhaps people online that are going to watch this service that desperately need an encounter with God. You're bearing heavy burdens. I mean, this season has been difficult for all of us, but we know where we need to go. We need to go to the presence of the Lord. Thank God that you're here in church or you're watching online, but let me give you a clue. It's not the church. It's Jesus that is your help. I lift up my eyes to the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He is the one who comes and sustains us. He is the one. 
that we go to. They came to the temple. They came to Mount Zion. They came to the presence of God with this expectation they were going to meet with God and receive the help that they needed. And I love the next line in verse 2. It says, he's the maker of heaven and earth. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. And this, for the pilgrims, reminded them of Genesis chapter 1, where the scripture says the earth was without form and void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. And into that chaos, God's voice resounded. And when God spoke, things began to happen. You know the story of Genesis. Day after day, God spoke, and things occurred. God spoke over the chaos. He spoke into the chaos, and things happened. And here's the point. They, they worship the maker of heaven and earth because if he could create, he can recreate. If he can make the heaven and earth, he can speak into our chaos, into our difficulty, into our pain, into our brokenness, and he can speak words of healing and restoration over your life and over my life. He's the God who is creator and the God who is recreator. That's who we worship. And we come to him, the maker of heaven and earth. He can bring beauty out of our ashes. He can bring healing out of our brokenness. He can recreate my life and yours. If he did it, then he can do it again. He's that kind of a God. He hasn't lost his ability to heal or to restore. Praise God for that. He's the maker of heaven and earth. And then he goes on this look at verse three. He says, he will not let your foot slip. He watches over. The one that watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will not slumber, nor will he sleep. The pathway, the ancient Israeli paths going to Jerusalem were, were not super highways. They were more like hiking trails in the mountains. They were narrow footpaths, strewn with rock. If you've ever been to Israel, you know how rugged the terrain is. Matter of fact, if they could export rocks, they would all be even more richer than what they currently are because Israel is a land of stones and rocks everywhere. So the, the journey was treacherous at times. And the scripture says that God will not let your foot slip. There is possibility of accident or injury as we walk along. Anyone that's walked with Jesus for any period of time? Any bumps or bruises? <laughs> he will not let your foot slip. Yeah. He, he's walking with us. He's there with us. But I have this incredible picture in my mind of what it's like when the Scripture says he won't let your foot slip. This communicates, first of all, let me, let, me, let me restate it. He will not let your foot slip. What does that tell us? It tells us that God himself is our journey companion, that God's the one who walks beside us. It's not up to us. It's not if it's going to be, it's up to me. That's not the way this works. This, what we hear and, and what we see in this incredible short portion of a verse is that God himself walks alongside of us. He does not airlift us out of difficulties or problems. Have you noticed that? He is a God that shows up in the middle of pain. He's a God that shows up in fiery furnaces and lion's dens and your life and my life. He's a God who says, I will walk with you and your foot will not slip. That's the kind of God that we serve. In the little book of Jude, one simple chapter in verses 24 and 25, I have this, this picture of how this plays out in my mind where Jude wrote, now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Now to the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty now and forevermore. And I have this beautiful picture in my mind uh, of uh, one day I was praying, and I, was, I was saying, God, I don't understand this because the word says you're able to keep me from falling, but I stumble a lot. I look back over my life, I feel like I'm stumbling more than I'm walking. No one else represents that statement here, I'm sure. And I had a flashback in my mind to a time when 
our girls uh, were quite a bit smaller. And I'm not sure if this is an actual memory or one that I made up. That's okay. It's a good story anyway. There you go. All right. We're going to go with it today. But when my girls were small, my wife would make handmade dresses, and they were beautiful little dresses, and the the girls were so cute. And in my mind, in my imagination, I was walking with the kids to church, and why is it the probability of a child finding a mud puddle is increased dramatically by the quality of the clothing in which they're wearing, and the likelihood that mom is going to kill you if they get dirty. You know what I'm talking about, right? Now unto him who's able to keep you from falling. In my mind, I remember having each girl, one in each hand, we have two daughters, and they would veer and they would, no, no, take my hand, take my hand. And they would stumble and they were going down for the count. And Papa, now unto him who's able to keep you from falling as their feet dangled in the air and to present you faultless before mom with exceeding joy, we made it to church. And that's the way it is sometimes in our walk with the Lord, isn't it? Now unto him who's able to keep you from falling and present you faultless, faultless. The grace of God that covers us in our stumbling, in our walking. I'm so grateful for who he is. The Bible tells us he is our Emmanuel, the God who is with us. And note again that God does not necessarily evacuate us from difficulty. He walks with us through it. Here's the key. You've got to hold on to his hand. Don't let go of his hand. Don't let go of his hand. The scripture says he doesn't slumber, he doesn't sleep. We must remind ourselves, build our faith and remind ourselves that God does not doze off in the middle of your difficulty. He does not fail to notice what you're walking through. God does not get bored or weary of your life or the problems you face. He does not get tired when you come to him for the 53rd time today with the same prayer request. He doesn't grow weary, he doesn't slumber, he does not sleep. God does not clock out. He doesn't go off shift. He doesn't say, sorry, too busy, call me tomorrow, leave a message with my secretary. That's not the God that we serve. This God who can recreate our lives neither slumbers nor sleeps, he walks with us, he is cognizant, he's alert, he's attentive, he is caring, and most importantly, he is present. He's with us. He cares. This is good news for every weary pilgrim. Anyone here? Especially when the pathway is difficult, to know that he is with us. He is our Emmanuel. He will not let our foot slip. We have to lift up our eyes. Lord, where are you in the middle of this pain? We have to say, Lord, where are you in the middle of those difficult times like 2020? Or when you get that difficult medical diagnosis in your family, or that heartbreaking phone call in the middle of a very dark night. Or for me, it was a phone call two days ago at six in the morning that a friend of mine had passed away. Or the pink slip that uh, you got on a Friday afternoon. In the dark night of your soul, he is with you. Lift up your eyes. Where does your help come from? From the Lord. Five times in this passage, five times in this scripture, Simple eight short verses does the psalmist say, the Lord watches. 
He watches, he sees, he cares, he comes alongside. But it's interesting in verse five, he actually personalizes it. He says, the Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade. And in this passage, we see some incredible things. Now this harkens back to these pilgrims in their mind to the days of the traveling, the exodus in the wilderness, leaving Egypt, going to the promised land. And the scripture says, the Lord watches over you. He is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. Interesting, we read that, it sounds poetic and wonderful, but for these Jewish pilgrims, these travelers, it had extra meaning because in those 40 years they wandered in the hot desert, the concept was the sun. Have you ever been in the desert in the summer, in the sunshine? 130 degrees, it is hot. And what the Lord provided for them was this cloud, the cloud of his presence, a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night, representing God's presence, his guidance, but it also had a very practical purpose. Man, I'll tell you what, California, 100 degrees, I was there. We, you know what every person looked for when they pulled into the shopping mall parking lot was shade. I mean, they, they would fight over that one parking spot that had a little tiny bit of shade. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The God is the one who protects us. The God is the one, can I say, that hovers over us like a loving parent to care for us even in those times when the heat is dialed right up. He's the pillar of cloud by day, but he's also the pillar of fire by night, also in the desert. When the sun would go down, the temperatures would plummet. And God provided for them warmth and light in their dark time. Hey, there were, there were no uh, flashlights. The people of Israel, they were not issued in their ration pack when they left Egypt, flashlights. There were no street lights in the wilderness. Do you know that? It was dark. And if you've been out on a dark night away from the city lights, it can be profoundly dark in the new moon time profoundly dark. And the scripture says the moon will not harm us by night. Now, it's interesting. How's the moon going to jump down and harm you? Well, if you're a pilgrim and you're traveling to Jerusalem for the feasts and it's new moon, that is no moon, it's dark. Under cover of darkness, the robbers will lurk. You know, evil people do their things when it's dark. And the scripture says in this passage, the people of Israel were comforted because they remembered that God was the pillar of fire by night, that God would light up the wilderness. So they were safe. And the same way that God is our pillar of fire, he's the one that goes with us even in the darkest times of our lives. God presides over those times. God does not leave us at the mercy of the villains and the thugs that would come and steal from us. God's promise is that his presence would be with us even in the darkest of our lifetimes. God is with us even in those dark nights of the soul. I've had so many phone calls in the last year and a half from leaders who are experiencing the darkest times of their lives, compounded by the fact that their congregants are experiencing such dark, difficult times. This has been a profoundly challenging season. Hear this, the Lord, the Lord is your shade at your right hand. The Lord will protect you, the sun won't harm you, The Lord will protect you. The moon will not harm you at night. Even the dark times, God is with us. He's there for us. He's there with us. The most important thing in those times is that often we say, where are you, God? Where are you in those dark times? The Bible tells us he's with us. We have to cling to him, hold his hand, not let go. In faith, remind ourselves that even in my nose, even if you can't see him, he's with you. He's working. In the darkness, keep on walking one step at a time, one day at a time, one week at a time. Just keep walking, faithfully, 
understanding, even if you don't see him in the darkness, he's with you because his promise is, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. Do you believe that? Notice once again, the scripture tells us that God doesn't, uh, God doesn't rescue us. He walks with us through these times. And the scripture tells us in the New Testament that he says, in this world, Jesus said, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. In this life, in this world, you will have tribute. It's gonna be tough. He announced that to his followers, his disciples. Welcome to the fraternity of disciples. Let me tell you what to expect on this journey of life. There'll be days that you say, God, where are you? But be of good cheer. I mean, what brings joy to a person who's going through a difficult time? This sentence, but be of good cheer because I have overcome. He solved the puzzle. He's found his way out of the maze. He can lead us safely through this mess out the other side. And we'll pick back up in this passage here with verse seven. We're almost done. How are you guys doing? You tracking okay with me? We're in verse seven of eight verses. Here you go. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. He'll keep you from all harm. Now, as we read this in English, I look back over my life and there are times I would say, you know what, I experienced some harm, some damage. You know, I, I, I was kind of caught up in some collateral damage a few times in my life in ministry. But let me explain to you what this word harm actually meant in the original Hebrew. It means bad, evil, no good, implying that this evil would sever or hinder a relationship to a person that is proper. So what this word means, harm, is that it would bring damage to a relationship. But listen to what God said. The Lord will keep you from all harm. The Lord, what he implies here and what he's saying is that nothing can separate you from me, son or daughter, in the middle of your dark times. I'm not letting go of you. I see you. I'm watching over you. I'm not letting go. Interestingly enough, that in the New Testament, in Romans chapter 8, verses 35 and following, the apostle Paul picks up this theme and he says to us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Can I just pause and paraphrase that sentence? Life is going to be tough sometimes, folks. That's what he's saying there. It's going to be tough. But the apostle Paul comes back with an emphatic, no! In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And then he says this, for I am convinced. Are you convinced? For I am convinced that neither life nor death, nor angels nor demons, nor the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth or anything else in all of creation will be able to do what? Separate. God's promise is that no harm will come to you. Now, you can walk away from God. That's your choice. But God's promise to you is he'll never walk away from you. Nothing. Nothing. All these difficulties, all these problems, anything that you can imagine, from angelic beings that, that attack you to physical difficulties to governmental powers, nothing will separate you from the love of God if you stay connected to his hand. God says, I am with, and the apostle Paul says, I am convinced. Are we? We need to be. Abba's, prom Abba's promise to his kids is, the, is simply this, that his love is stronger than any problem that we face, including death. God loves us. In the prayer time this morning, actually, uh, is the pre-service prayer, this verse actually was read. 
Praise the Lord, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good and his love endures forever. His love endures. This God who knows us and sees us and watches over us, his love endures. It endures because God is loving. It endures because God is kind. It endures because of who God is, his character. Even when I test his love of my disobedience and my waywardness, his love endures. Even when pride and arrogance rises in my heart, his love endures. Even when my first love may grow lukewarm and my devotion may dim, his love endures. His love endures. His love survives the test of time. It survives every challenger and challenge. His love outlasts any problems that we have. His love endures. But here's the point. It doesn't just say it endures. His love endures. You know the last word, that word in, that, in that psalm? His love endures forever. It never gives up. God's love for us. He will never get weary. You're not the kid that God says, I'm exasperated with him. Enough already. Go stay in your room for about three millennia and then come talk to me. He's not that kind of God. He's a God who loves us and his love endures whatever we throw at him. His love endures forever without limitations, no quotas or capacity restrictions. God loves us. And then let me turn to perhaps one is, what is one of my favorite passages, Psalm 139, quickly. This, this uh, portion, verses 13 to 18, would preach, I simply want you to see how much God loves you in this passage. For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. God was at work before you were born. He initiated this. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. His forethought. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. And when I awake, I am still with you. I love this portion, verses 17 and 18 specifically. You see this picture of a God who is both an engaged and a very anticipating father. God who thought of you, who was, who was engaged in even your development, that knew you had a destiny for you even before you were born. The day you took your first breath, you took his breath away. Think about it. That's what we see in this passage. And then especially in verses 17 and 18, the scripture tells us here that God's thoughts about you, how vast are the sum of them. It's, if you could count a thought of God like one kernel of grain, one grain of sand on the seashore, could you count just simply the grains of sand at White Rock or Crescent Beach? Multiply that by every beach in the world. Of course, this is a metaphor. What's God trying to communicate to us? What God is trying to communicate to us is that he's thinking about us all the time. His thoughts about you, his striking, beautiful thoughts, his kind, caring, intentional thoughts, his destiny-laden thoughts are constant and they are endless. God is always thinking about you. What does that communicate? Your value, your purpose. God loves you. You are not a problem. You're not a distraction. God thought of you. He instilled in your life before you were born a destiny and a purpose. That's the kind of God that we have that loves us, the kind of Father who cares deeply for us. Let me put it this way. You were not an afterthought. Not a mistake. You were his forethought. His plans and his purposes are set. You are in his every thought. God sees you. 
God cares for you and God loves you. We're going to end with this. The Lord will watch over you. Coming and you're going both now and forevermore. Coming and going is a Jewish idiom that basically means always and forever. No detail escapes the view of God. He sees everything. The Bible tells us to cast all your cares on him because he cares. He sees it anyway. Now and forever. Now and forever. Today and the challenges you face, tomorrow and its potential problems. Always and forever. You're coming and you're going. Why? Why, What confidence do we have? Why can we approach him like that? Well, simply put, super simple. He loves you. He cares for you. You're his son. You're his daughter. He loves you. Matter of fact, he's crazy about you. Can I say that? I'm not sure. That's, that's, that's not in the Hebrew. That's in Steve's translation. God is crazy about you. Let me end with this thought. As I said at the beginning of my message, five times in this passage, five times it says God watches over us. Yet I started with the pilgrims looking. I lift up my eyes. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? But five times it says God is watching over us. It's this picture of a father who stands like I do when my kids are coming to Christmas and they're coming down for a holiday and I, and I, I, I hear the vehicle pull up in the driveway and I'm standing with curtains drawn. Are they here yet? God watches over us. I hear the father say, are they here yet? Are they coming? Are they coming to meet with me? Are they coming to spend time with me? Are they coming to bring me their needs, their difficulties? Are they coming to drop their burdens in my presence? I am so longing for my children to come. Pastor Craig, if you want to come and join me. Weary pilgrims, I want to pray for you today. As I have been praying for this time, I sense that there were perhaps many of us here that to whom this or for whom this message would strike a chord you're weary can we take a moment and just present our needs to Jesus let's come with the intention of meeting with God today the same way the pilgrims went to Jerusalem to meet with God at the temple we don't have to go anywhere he's here you know what your needs are just present the matter of fact if there are things in your life that you need to present to Jesus today this one who loves and cares for you just Imagine them in your hand and just hold them out as if you're giving them to Jesus while I pray. Lord Jesus, I give you today the things that are too heavy for me to carry, the burdens that weigh me down, that the double my heart over in pain. I give those things to you. Lord, I pray that you would be our strength, that you would be our sun, our shield, that you, Lord, would be our, our protector and our guide. We turn to you because you care for us. We cast all of our cares on you, loving Father, because you care for us. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.